Hey, welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. This is our second session on dealing with issues related to family. We're going to be actually talking about a, a difficult topic today, which is dealing with anger and violence in the home. Hey, remember, if you want to learn more about vision or about me, it's drstandycoven.org, booksbyvision.org, or vision.edu. And let me just share some some, a little bit of statistics with you here. I mean, every day spouses and children experience what's really a loss of trust and security that's needed for them to be able to grow to maturity because of abuse or neglect. Now, when we talk about abuse, it can be physical, it can be emotional, verbal abuse, it can be financial abuse, I mean, where people aren't allowed to have any money so they can't really you know, do anything outside of the home. It can also be neglect where people aren't fed or cared for. You know, and we're not talking about the occasional spat that people may have in a normal and really even healthy marriage, but we're talking about the insidious kinds of neglect and abuse that can really damage people. I mean, there are husbands that batter wives, but there's wives that batter husbands as well. Parents are oftentimes, not often, but they're attacked by their own teens. Children can be abused. Even the process of divorce, you know, I mean, we, we don't like to talk about that, but divorce is a horrible dividing of a family. There's great sense of loss and pain that comes with it. And in many ways, it's a form of abuse that happens to children, especially. Siblings can abuse each other as well. And, you know, there's multiple causes of of uh, abuse and and uh, and neglect, etc. And you know, there's uh, you know all, what we find, especially in marriage and family life, that frequently abusers marry abusers, or victims marry abusers. When abusers marry abusers, typically there's a knockdown, dragout, and the relationship doesn't last very long. But when you have a situation where you have a, someone who is a victim or believes themselves to be a victim they will tend to naturally be attracted to someone who can control them. They think they're going to love them, but in fact they're going to control them, and eventually abuse happens. We'll talk about kind of the cycle of abuse in, in just a minute. You know, often we'll see that there's, with most people that are involved in abuse relationships, there's serious impulse control issues. They Typically, they're people that are immature and unable to control their impulses. We're going to look a picture of that in the scriptures here in just a bit. Often, there's things that will trigger the anger, the rage, and rage is really the, the, res, the, the thing that happens prior to abuse occurring within the home. And oftentimes, we see these things in cycles. In fact, the abuse stages, if you will, they're they consist of a, a build-up stage. There, there can be a long period of time where there's light arguments, small problems, little issues of distrust, but then things begin to build. Uh, eventually, the build-up leads to an episode. And you know, in the first, it may be a, an explosive temper. It may be yelling and screaming. It may actually be some physical violence. Well, typically when that happens, I mean, everyone is shocked including both victim and victimizer. And because they're so shocked, I mean, they, they're extremely apologetic, and so they go into what we call a honeymoon phase. Honey, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it, I'll never do that again, I promise, I promise, I promise. I mean, the person that has abused the other 
In most cases, that's a husband with the wife. I mean, the, they become as good as gold. In fact, the, that's the seductive part of it is in the honeymoon phase, they become everything that the spouse thought that the husband would be. So loving, so attentive, so kind. But of course, what begins to happen is once the honeymoon phase is over, the build-up time starts and the episode tends to happen. And the problem with this is it tends to happen faster and faster and more frequently over time. And we often see an escalation of the anger, the rage, and the abuse over time. It can become more and more painful and more and more potentially lethal. Well, we're going to look at symptoms of abuse in a moment, but I want to take a look at Scripture. It's good to look at the Bible. I hope you'd all agree. I think even Pastor Mike uses the Bible when he preaches. I, I mean, I think. But I want to look at Genesis chapter 4. Now, this is a fairly commonly understood passage of Scripture. Um, it, it, you know, Cain, Abel, they both bring a sacrifice. They bring an offering, if you will, to the Lord. Uh, Abel's was accepted, Cain's was not. Again, exactly why, we're not fully sure. Scripture doesn't say it, it simply says it wasn't acceptable. And Cain doesn't really argue with that. He probably knew he wasn't giving God his best. He wasn't following what God had said for him to do. But nonetheless, he's angry. So it says, for Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Verse 5, and then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Won't you feel better? Won't you see things more clearly? Uh, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. I've heard many people say, well, you don't understand, I, I get so frustrated because she doesn't do this, or he doesn't do that, or they don't do this, and I just can't help myself. Wrong kangaroo breath. That is absolutely wrong. Even back in the days of Cain and Abel, God recognized, and Cain knew that he was responsible for his own anger. Even those who have been abused themselves and then come into a relationship, I mean, though you have been victimized, you are now an adult and you are not a victim, especially if you're in Christ. You have choice. Cain chose to kill his brother. He chose to allow sin to overcome him. He chose to act out his anger toward God and his anger or jealousy toward his brother by taking his own brother's life. And of course we know he suffered significant consequences because of that. The cycle of abuse should never be found, especially in a Christian home, but sadly it often is. And if we find that cycle in the home, we know for certain that God's intention is to bring healing and restoration to it, but it's going to take some time. Now, let me, let me talk about, especially for those that you have family, friends, etc., there are certain symptoms or results that you'll often find when there's been abuse, especially in the home. There's often a withdrawal from social encounters, and children, uh, young people might have nightmares, a fear of being left alone, 
uh, some self-punishing behavior, uh, or in some cases what we would call a pseudo-maturity. That is, they, they act a whole lot older than what they are. They're more polite than maybe what is comfortable. These can all be kind of symptoms, memory blocks, nightmares, uh, seductive behavior, panic attack. Now again, because someone has had some symptoms doesn't necessarily mean they've been abused or they're in a, an abusive situation. Could be, may not be, but it's certainly worth investigating and praying about. So we, we see often then there's certain symptoms in males and females. I mean, for females, they, they again often have more psychological reactions or problems with eating disorders and being involved in abusive relationships, being victimized. Um, for males, there's often depression, anxiety, self-hatred, even suicidal ideation, especially if one has been sexually abused. Stomach disorders, identity confusion, I don't know who I am or where I fit in the world because the people that I loved or people that I thought cared about me, were going to take care of me, took advantage of me hurt me. And we know that often it's said, hurt people hurt people. Well, they don't have to because there is healing, as we'll talk about. You know, there are four primary repercussions, if you will, of, uh, in terms of how people respond when they are in an abusive relationship. Number one, they feel powerless. The, the, they feel so that they can't do anything about the situation or the circumstances they're in. They feel often uh, numb and, and they doubt themselves and they feel a sense of despair and even a loss of self. They often develop inadequate judgment because of it. This numbing of self makes awareness of the danger of others and situations. They're, they're unable to process things in a healthy way. And so, you know, if someone is involved in a family system where there's abuse, I mean, there is redemption, there is restoration, there is healing. But it first starts by honesty, by assessing the problem, by knowing what's going on, by facing the truth. You know, Jesus, it said in John chapter 1, was full of grace and truth. And look, as, as the people of God, we need to be people of grace. Is, we've not walked in someone else's shoes. We don't know what it's like to be them. We don't know what they've experienced. It's but by the grace of God go I is a statement that we really should hold dear to our own hearts. We don't really know sometimes what someone has suffered in and suffered through. But you know, we also are people of truth. And we know that it's knowing the truth that brings people into freedom. I remember I was counseling a, a family, the, the hus husband, wife, uh, they were separated, but they had been forced to be separated by the, by the county in which they lived. Uh, the, the Shire uh, Police and uh, Child Protective Services had separated them because there was an allegation against the husband that he had been molesting the 11-year-old daughter. There was actually two daughters in the home uh, the one had no report of anything, but this one 11-year-old had reported that her dad had actually uh, molested her. The wife was confused. She didn't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know. Well, in looking at her background, we found out that she had been molested as a child growing up and had not really 
dealt with that. So she, in many ways, not that she caused or that she was in any way complicit with her husband, but the fact was that it's difficult for them to see because it's too painful to look at. Well, I was counseling them and, you know, in the middle of it, I really felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a word for them. But the word was a weird one. It was where there's smoke, there's fire. Because the husband totally denied that he did anything. He, he was, a, he actually, he was in law enforcement. And, you know, he said, I would never do that. I know the consequences. I would, but there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. They were believers. They, they, they both, you know, confessed Christ and the, the 11-year-old. I mean, she was adamant. She wasn't, and she wasn't really that horribly angry. She just didn't trust him, didn't want him to touch her, you know, etc. But was willing to try and resolve the problem. But again, he completely denied it, completely denied it. But what the Lord kept giving me is where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, they went home after second or third session, and I'd used that phrase a few times. And the husband finally called me. He says, I, 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 can't, I can't live with it. I mean, I, I feel... I feel hell fire, you know, lapping around my ankles. And he did confess that, yes, he had. He did have to do some time, but in the long run, God was able to restore this family, amazingly, in spite of the abuse and all that happens. God can restore, but you have to be willing to admit and face the truth. You know, I know a lot of folks, I mean, they will simply deflect or project blame whenever there's a problem. You see, if she would have had dinner on time at five o'clock uh, the way I want it, the way I demand it, the way it's supposed to be, the way it was in my home, or whatever excuse you give, well, then naturally, of course I got angry. How dare she disrespect me by not having my dinner on the table at five o'clock? And so, yes, I yelled at her. Yes, I hit her. But that's what she deserves. She asked for it. In fact, if I really, if I didn't love her, I wouldn't hit her. Whew. Those are some crazy thinking, but you hear things like that from people that are not really thinking clearly. I mean, think about it. Would Jesus say, look, if, if you don't show up for the prayer meeting right on time, I'm going to smack you down? Come on. That's not God, and that's certainly not the way it should be with a husband and a wife in a relationship. And so, look, you've got to be able to... to to deal with the truth and look at the situation. And if you happen to run across, I mean, grace and truth are necessary. If you run across someone and you suspect that there's, there's violence going on, I mean, don't try and take it into your own hands. Perhaps let your pastor know or whatever, but, but hey, God can heal, but it's got to be looked at honestly first. You have to then, in the long run, if you have this kind of issue going on in your home, maybe not in a grand scale like we've talked about, maybe in minor areas, disagreements where there's passive-aggressive responses, where there's anger expressed, you know, you can, you can change the environment, you can change the atmosphere in your home to one of peace and joy and love, but it really is going to take some work, and it starts again with honesty. You know, the Bible says, as we mentioned before, you've you got to leave to cleave to become one. You have to be able to look at yourself and to look at what you've learned and to look at your insecurities and your fears and deal with them if you're going to be able to really solve problems and learn to live in a healthy way. 
Sometimes it, what's required to deal with the, the stress and the problems and the abuse and anger within a home is you got to have a little bit of decontamination. You might need some, I mean, I hate to use the word deliverance, and I don't necessarily mean from demons, although sometimes they're there and they need to be dealt with, but more dealing with the, the, the negative issues in your heart. You've got to be able to talk about, confess, and seek forgiveness, but more than just forgiveness, there needs to be restitution, reparation, repair. There needs to be renewal in every aspect of the relationship. And so sometimes we have to be willing to renounce the old ways of doing things and truly repent. Change your thinking. He who has, has a wife has a good thing and finds favor with the Lord. Well, you don't know my wife. Well, I hear that all the time. The sad thing is you have a wife, you have a husband, you have children, you have a life circumstance. God knows right where you're at. Trust him. If you put your trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on what you know, but in everything you do acknowledge him, he will direct your path, even if you're involved in anger and dispute within your family. But you have to be willing to face it. You have to be willing to confess. You have to be willing to repent. And there has to be forgiveness. And forgiveness is more than just saying, I'm sorry. I mean, most of us guys have learned really well how to say, gee, honey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'll never do it again. Can I have dinner now? I mean, it's that trite to many of us. But hey, true forgiveness requires repentance. And repentance means not just a change of thinking, but I have to present the fruit of repentance. That is, I have to live differently. I have to say things differently, respond differently. Now, am I going to do that perfectly? No, there has to be, again, grace. There has to be room to give people opportunity to make the changes they need to make. But if you've committed yourself to a healthy marriage, if you've got anger, even violence within the home, that needs to stop. And God is with you in seeing it stop. And repentance and forgiveness is absolutely necessary. Because God wants you to come into, essentially, a new beginning. The goal, you know, for dealing with families that are struggling with anger and violence in the home is to help them face the frustrations they face. Most anger is rooted in either frustration or hurt. I believe you said something or did something that hurt me and I'm angry because. Well, plus anger tends to blow away anxiety. And so especially for men, we like to, mm, we like to be aggressive and loud when we're angry but it's because we feel hurt or we've been frustrated. I'm not getting what I want or what I believe or I deserve, believe I deserve to have. Well, sometimes we just need to grow up a bit, deal with those issues in our life and deal with the frustration and deal with the hurt. And you may need to talk to someone to help you through that, but if you're going to do that, you've got to remember there's a reason God created all of us with two ears and one mouth, so we'll listen twice as much as we talk. Again, as I mentioned before, forgiveness is absolutely necessary. And we must forgive while at the same time acknowledging the dignity of people. That is, it's not, you know, just your wife, your spouse, or the old nag. This is a, a woman that's created in the image of God. This is a man created in the image of God. We need to, to recognize the image of God and begin to treat each other as image bearers. 
within the home. We need to have a listening ear, an understanding heart, perhaps a counselor to come alongside to help us in facing the truth about our life situation. I mean, our, uh, we're passing on to the next generation things that are not going to be helpful to them. We need to see the violence stop. We need to see repentance come. And we need to see the forgiveness that God has released so people really can be healed and restored. You know, in so many ways, I'm convinced that anger is really, in most cases, a response to not really knowing and feeling and acknowledging and being aware of God's grace and goodness and kindness and mercy. I mean, God is good. You've been saved. I mean, if you're born again, that means the Spirit of God lives in you. It's not the Spirit of Job. It's the Spirit of God. God lives in you. He doesn't you know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. It's not Santa Claus. That's God. God is the one. He sees everything. He knows everything. And yes, he's not going to hit you with a lightning bolt. But one thing is for certain. Eventually, we're going to have to answer for how we've lived our life. Now, that's not in terms of salvation, in terms of heaven and hell, but it is in terms of rewards and I don't know, so many other things that really we don't fully understand from Scripture, but I'll guarantee you there will be some suffering of loss for many who have never really learned how to deal in a healthy way with loving their spouse, loving their kids, loving their community. It takes grace. Yes, we have His favor. We have the Spirit of God living in us. We have the Word of God. We have we have pastors, we have leaders, we have people who can come alongside to help us, and we have absolutely no excuse for living a life full of anger, full of fear, full of the pain that comes, especially when there's violence in the home. So I'm going to close our time just with a simple prayer. I want to pray for all of you who are there. I want to pray that God will will we'll, we'll reveal things, but in a healthy way. I mean, if there are some issues that need to be dealt with, that you'll, you'll face them and you'll deal with them, that you will have a willingness to confess and repent, and that you'll allow God to pour in, if you will, the balm of Gilead, to pour in His healing oil to bring restoration to you, to your kids. You know, one of the things about human beings, we are very resilient. And there's something about a true confession and a true repentance that will soften our hearts to such a level that we can receive, even from people who have hurt us in the past. God is in the middle of that. He's in the healing process. But we have to be willing to open our hearts and to face the truth and allow God to bring true conviction to our hearts, the godly sorrow that works repentance. But... We need to be willing to allow God to work in our lives. So, Father, thank you. I thank you for Adelaide Christian Center. I thank you for Pastor Mike and Kelly and the whole team there. I, I thank you, Lord, that they really are people of grace and they really are people who want to, their congregants to walk in truth. The truth is none of us are perfect. All of us have made mistakes. All of us at times can be selfish. But that's, there's no excuse. There's grace for that. 
We have your favor. We have the empowerment of your spirit. We have your word. Lord, we can change because the change maker lives within us. I just pray, Lord, that if there's anyone there today or, or who is watching this by video or hears the sound of my voice that is, needs to deal with anger and hurt and pain and suffering that they've experienced, if they're stuck in the cycle of abuse, I pray, Lord, they'd be willing to face this right now. If they need to find someone to talk to, if they need to go to their pastor to bring this in the open because you cannot bring healing if it's kept in the dark. But may they be willing to bring it into the light so that you can pour in your healing. Yes, there will be consequences. It's not going to be smooth. It's not going to be easy. But it's going to be good because God is good and he's in the process even now of bringing healing and restoration. So Lord, I just pray, pour out your spirit upon those in need, Lord, those that have suffered from needless, truly needless punishment and rejection, abandonment, betrayal, abuse from the past. I pray your restoration. May they recognize that they didn't deserve any of that, but nor does the next generation deserve that from us, that we can change, we can be different, we can establish a new godly pattern moving forward by your grace. And so thank you, Lord. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Until next time.